Hey everyone, you're listening to The Awakening Podcast. We're starting this week off with a song by Awakening Worship and Jabin Chavez. It's their rendition of Broken Vessels. Every time Jabin comes to Awakening Conference, it's always a special worship experience as he plays with Awakening Worship. And when they did this specific song, it was way too good to not release. So I really hope it blesses you as you're listening. Followed by that is actually going to be a message by Jabin titled, You Are On His Mind. Now, he preached this at Awakening Conference a couple years back. I remember the night vividly. It was so powerful. The Holy Spirit was moving. People were saved. It was it was amazing. So I really hope, as you're listening, that God speaks to you. Go ahead and take a listen. All these pieces broken and scattered Mercy gathered, mended and whole. Empty handed, but not forsaken. I've been set free. I've been set free. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that
you to take notes tonight I'd rather you just look at me for a couple minutes I'm gonna preach quick because I want to pray for the sick tonight I want to pray for young ladies who feel called into the ministry tonight and uh, I just have a few things I feel like I'm on assignment to do um, I think sometimes I go places and I I, I kind of leave going I don't know why I went and then there's other times I come and I feel like I'm on an assignment and I feel that way today I don't feel like I have a message uh, I feel like I have a word, and, um, and I want to be obedient to that. So get your faith up right now. I'm going to be kind of serious. I'm going to be kind of heavy, but that doesn't mean you can't smile and shout me down, okay? Because uh, we're going to work something. We're going to build something right now. John chapter 19, Jesus is all alone. The crowd loved him when he was feeding them. The crowd loved him when he was turning fish into mobile ATM machines and pulling money out of their mouth. The crowd loved him uh, when he was raising the dead and healing the sick. The crowd loved him when he was giving out uh, catfish dinners. The, the crowd loved Jesus when he was blessing them, but the crowd abandoned Jesus when it was time for him to pick up his cross. The cross will always distinguish you and will always separate you. The cross is the sword that cuts away every cancerous relationship from your life. When you say yes to the cross, you are saying yes to your destiny. Jesus goes from crowds of 20,000, 25,000, 50,000, uh, 50, 15,000, 10,000, 5,000. He goes from leading the multitudes to literally now having three or four people around him at the cross. Zacchaeus is nowhere to be found. Lazarus, the one he raised from the dead, is nowhere to be found. One of his best friends, Peter, rebukes him and denies him. There's nowhere to be found. Friend, every one of you is going to have to say yes to the cross tonight. But saying yes to the cross means you're saying no to the world. It's saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. And it might mean saying yes to a season of aloneness. But you will never regret going into the ground for three days. Because at the end, of a lonely moment comes resurrection power. And we have a generation that wants power but doesn't want a cross. We want resurrection without death. We want multitudes without obedience. But sometimes if you want to lead the crowd, you, have, you must first leave the crowd. Are you willing to walk away from what you love in order to lead it? to Christ we are a generation that worships popularity we worship Twitter followers we worship Instagram likes this is our identity and yet God says you have to walk away from it in order to one day carry something that will lead those people and there will be well-meaning people like Peter religious people Christian people that will say why would you want to pick up that cross called the Leadership College? Why would you want to pick up that cross called tithing? Why would you want to pick up that cross called not going to the party on Friday night? Why would you want to do that? And they won't understand it and they'll rebuke you. But friend, your yes to God is only as powerful as your no is to the world. 
And we come to conferences and it is a yes fest. Now we must leave and say no. And if you're willing to carry the cross, that's where resurrection happens. That's where destiny is found. I got saved 1998, June, Del Rio, Texas. Got radically, radically saved, radically saved, radically saved. Came home, called my three best friends, Paco, Tomas, and Sonny. I said, I got to talk to y'all. Something happened to me. We go to Paco's house. They said, what happened? I said, I got saved. They go, that's great, man. We're we're a Catholic community. They go, that's great. You can like be our priest. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'll be priest Jabin, Father Jabin. Had many sons. And so... They're like, this is great, this is great. And Paco goes, yo, I got some good stuff. Let's celebrate. Like, let's do it. And the water bong comes out. And I go, there ain't no high like the most high, huh? <laughs> and we <laughs> begin to rejoice over my new salvation <laughs> with a bunch of, of marijuana and alcohol and munchies for days. And I woke up the next morning and went, I don't think that was supposed to happen like that. And I had to walk away from my friends. Friend, when I got saved, I was one of the most popular kids in my high school. I didn't come to Christ because I had nothing else. I came to Christ because I knew there was nothing else. And I walked away, and it was the loneliest summer of my life. I was in church anytime the doors were open, and I didn't even like church because I didn't like church people. Because my youth pastor was always trying to hug me. Come on, somebody. It's like, yo, can we just shake on it? Hey, we hug here. I'm like, really? Can we? Uh, uh, uh. Turned my room into a sanctuary. This is old school. I threw away all my CDs. Y'all remember those days when, yeah. And so, threw away my Metallica. Come on, somebody. This is 1998. I threw away my rap CDs when rap was rap. His name was The Notorious B.I.G. I even threw away my Jodeci CDs. That was hard. I kissed Casey and JoJo goodbye. I will never find another. It was hard. But I turned my room into a sanctuary. And I chose a summer of loneliness for a lifetime of influence. Are you willing to say no tonight to some things in order to fulfill your destiny? Friends, don't reject the cross. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. It's where resurrection is always found. They get Jesus and they bring him to Pilate. Pilate literally looks at him and says, this man is innocent. So the priests say, we take responsibility. This was in the plan of God because if Pilate would have crucified Jesus, it would have been a murder. But because the priest took responsibility, it became a sacrifice. That was for five people. My God, that was anointed. They plucked the beard out of his face and they covered his eyes. They began to punch him and spit him and say, prophesy who hits you. Prophesy who spit on you. If you are the son of God, prove it. And friend, on that Good Friday, Jesus was blinded because he was purchasing your vision. Can I tell you the reason that you can leave this conference and say, you know what, no one has ever been to college in my family, but I'm going to college. Do you know why you can leave this conference and go, everyone in my family gets a divorce, but 
we're not going to split up till death do his part, baby. You know why you can leave this conference and say, daddy's an alcoholic and mama's an alcoholic and granddaddy's an alcoholic and my uncles are alcoholics and my brother's alcoholics, but, but I'm never going to touch alcohol again. You know why? Because Jesus purchased your ability to have a vision and to be able to see what they cannot see. And you're going to leave this place and they go, oh, you're too good for us. Oh, who do you think you are? But you're just going to have to say, it doesn't matter who I think I am. It matters who he thinks I am. I'm not who you say I am. I'm who God says I am. I'm not a big deal, but I met a big deal this weekend. And you have a vision. My mom had cancer. My grandma had cancer. And I guess I'll have breast cancer. I guess it, no, 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 no. You have a vision. Something in you says, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live and declare what the Lord has done. Things are different. They took a whip, and at the end of this whip, historians will tell you that the Romans used a whip that had nine heads. They called it a cat of nine tails. The end of this whip had different pieces of rock and stone and glass and metal. So that whenever they would whip your back, it would rip the flesh right off of you. Most men never made it to their cross because they died at the post. But it was here that Jesus purchased Isaiah 53, verse 5, by his stripes we are healed. Friends, healing is not a good idea. It's a God idea. And it was a contract purchase, not with paper and pen, but on the back of Jesus, signed in his own blood. And tonight, we declare healing in Jesus' name. One of my favorite parts about Good Friday, one of my favorite parts about this text is that the Bible said, Isaiah prophesies, Isaiah 53, verse 7, he looks into the prophetic future and he says, like a lamb going into slaughter, he did not open his mouth. I've learned to become very grateful for a silent Savior. Because every time he was silent, he was purchasing something for me. Don't panic in the silent season. Because when God gets silent, he wants to know what you're going to say. Say, but I can't hear God anymore. It's not like the awakening. I'm an atheist. Stop it. He's silent because he's buying something for you. And the anointing never increases on a mountaintop. It increases in the valley. So I rejoice. And I praise. Because in his silence, I learned to speak. And in his silence, he purchased my ability to speak. So the power of life and death is in our tongue. Because he chose not to use his tongue. In order that weak people like us can speak. And mountains move. So they hand him a piece of wood. They hand him a tree. They hand him a cross. And he begins to walk up the hill. But Mark lets us know that halfway up the hill, Jesus gets tired. Emotionally, he's broken. Physically, he's broken. Mentally, he's broken. And he just can't go on any further. And he falls halfway up the hill. So the guards call for a man named Simon. A man that was not a believer and a man that just happened to be a spectator. God has an amazing way of calling spectators. <laughs> Jay, I'm just here for the girls, yo. That's just why, yo. I'm just here. My mama made me come. And no, 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 no. You can run, but you can't hide. And you might just be checking this thing out. You might still be checking this thing out. But Jesus has a way of calling people that have no interest in him. And gripping them and arresting them. I should know I was one of you. And they call for this man named Simon of Cyrene. Cyrene, a region in Africa. Simon, an African man. Simon, a black man. Jabin, black isn't politically correct. It's African American. This was 2,000 years ago, Jackal. There was no America. Homeboy was an African, African. But do I have any African Americans that know God's got a call on your life? That God's going to use you in a supernatural way? Okay, thank you. You're here. 
calls an African. Africans were the most hated people by the Jews. They were looked at as second-class citizens. Racism, though very strong in America today, would have been 100 times worse back then. And God, in Christ, calls the lowest of the low in that society to help redeem mankind and carry the cross up the hill. And, and if that's not cool enough, that's not cool enough. Three days later, you know, when he beats death, hell, and the grave, he uses a woman named Mary of Magdalene to announce the resurrection. Not, not, she wasn't no Holy Ghost woman like y'all are, okay? She ka da ba da ba ba ba. Well, no. She had seven devils that needed to be cast out. She was a former prostitute. So, so Jesus <laughs> finds the two lowest of the low that he can in the society a black man and a prostitute. To establish the new covenant. Maybe. Maybe. He's getting something across to us. That it's not about the color of your skin. It's not about your past. It's not about how much money is or is not in your bank account. It's not about who your daddy is or is not. It's not about what you've been through. It's about where you're going to. And I'm calling you. And you are not disqualified from the call of God. And I don't care what your zip code is. And it doesn't matter what school you go to. It doesn't matter if you're a high school dropout. I'm going to call you. And I'm going to anoint you. And you might be the lowest of the low in the natural. But I have a way of taking the last and making them first. Now, if that isn't exciting enough, and there was only a few of you that were excited, if that wasn't exciting enough, Romans 16 tells us that as Paul is making his final greetings, he greets Simon's sons. So that means that in the mind of Jesus, when he called Simon, he already knew about the sons coming. Because our God never calls a man, he calls a generation. And he never calls a father. He calls the father and the son. He always calls a family, never just a man. He calls a family line. And I don't know what your family needs tonight. And I don't know what kind of hell you're going back to. But I'm telling you, you're going back with the power of the Holy Ghost. And this thing is not just for you. It's for your mama and your daddy and your auntie and your uncle and your cousins and your friends. Shout, somebody shout right now. Hey! Now, so he never just calls a man, he calls a generation. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of you and your BFF. He's the God of you and your parents. 1971, Clifford Patrick Chavez gets radically saved, like stupid saved, like jumping up on trash cans at the University of New Mexico saved, with the sign saved, preaching Turner Burns saved, saved. The kind of guy that we look at and go, oh, thank God, oh, oh, oh. My father led his nine brothers and sisters to the Lord. Hey, we're Mexican. We know how to reproduce. Hey, hey. He then led his parents to the Lord. He then led his girlfriend to the Lord, Christine Wittick. They got saved. Start having babies. And every child started getting saved, including the youngest, the most talented, and the most good-looking, with the best hair, got saved. And then my girlfriend, Shannon Chambers, got saved. And now, 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 all of my brothers and sisters, Shannon and I don't have kids yet, but soon. All my brothers and sisters have babies, and they're all saved. One day, Shannon and I will have babies. They will be called J-Babies, and they will get saved. Hashtag J-Baby. One man says yes. 
Look at me. Look at me. Four generations. One man says yes. The older generation gets saved. His generation gets saved. His children's generation gets saved. And his grandchildren's generation gets saved. One man says yes. Four generations get saved. Why? Because that's the God you serve. Because God doesn't just want to save you. He said you and your whole household shall be saved. You and your whole school shall be saved. You and your whole family shall be saved. I don't know if you have a mama or a daddy that needs to come to Christ. But I dare you to praise God like they're coming home to Jesus. I don't know if you have a brother or a sister that needs to get saved, but I dare you to praise him in advance. I don't know if you have a best friend that needs to get saved, but I dare you to worship like they're going to get saved this week. I dare you to praise him like it's going to happen because God is more interested than just a man. He's calling a generation, a family, a school, We're not here because our generation had this idea. We're here because a man and a woman in 1988, 25 years ago, started this church. And now we get to reap what they sowed. And we walk out of here like, yo, do we sow spiritual? And we're just eating their harvest. Our God is a generational God. And what is happening in you will not stop with you. Jamie, I don't even have kids yet. I know, but Psalm 102 says a generation yet to be created will praise the Lord. That means that the reason God has saved you is not just for you. He's already thinking about your baby and you're not even married yet. But He's already thinking about the children that you will have. He already has an anointing on them. That's why, that's why, look at me, don't clap, don't clap. That's why you have to say yes tonight. Because your yes is bigger than you, young man. Your yes is bigger than you, young lady. That's why you got to marry the right person. That's why you got to go to the right school. That's why you got to do the right things because there's a generation in you saying, say yes. Dada. Say yes, joker. Mama. Don't get with that jackal. That's not supposed to be my daddy. Ladies, some of you, you just got to do it tonight. You got to text that guy. Say it's over. Because I know where I'm going, and you're not going there. And I love you, and it's going to hurt, and I'm going to cry my eyes out, and I'm going to send out emo tweets for the next two weeks. But I'm saying no tonight. He gets to the top of the hill. And he gets hung on a tree that he created. Nailed in with spikes from the earth that he created. And the tree would go into the earth, into the dirt that he created. The very dirt he used to create man is now being used to redeem man. And for six hours, the judgment of a holy and awesome and wrathful God gets poured upon Jesus. The sins of billions of people gets concentrated on a man on the middle cross. And for six hours, everything you deserve and everything I deserve and everything every person on this earth deserves got poured upon the body of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. For six hours, the judgment of God is poured upon him. He took our place. It should have been us. That should have been you on the middle tree. It should have been me on the middle tree. It should have been us. But he pushed you away and said, I'll take your place. And at the very end of the crucifixion, with literally minutes to go, He starts talking to mama. And he says, hey mom. John's your son. Hey John, Mary's your mom. And you're going, really Jesus? 
this is the conversation you're going to have right before you die. Why did he do it? Well, we don't know where Joseph is, but we do know Joseph is gone. Joseph, Mary's husband. Joseph, Jesus' stepfather. Joseph is nowhere to be found. We don't know where he is. Theologians have debated and will continue to debate. Did he die? Or did he get so tired of his stepson's popularity that he finally said, I'm, I'm done with this family and walked out? We don't know, but we do know he's gone. And we do know that Jesus spent most of his life without an earthly father. So he has a level of compassion for you that don't have fathers because he experienced that pain. Joseph is gone, so Jesus, as the oldest son, had to take responsibility for the family. He had to become the caretaker for the family. He had to become the breadwinner for the family. Jesus was not simply a carpenter friend because he was bored. He was a carpenter because he had his brothers and his sisters to take care of and his mom to take care of. But now, Joseph is gone and Jesus is dying and Mary is alone. Mary obviously has a fearful heart. She's obviously wondering, what do I do now? What do I do when plan A has walked out the door and plan B is dying right in front of me? What do I do when I don't get the scholarship I thought I was going to get? What do I do when I don't end up marrying the person I thought I was going to marry? What do I do when my parents get a divorce? What do I do when pain Come. What do I do when my dream, my provision, my hope, and my faith is dying in front of me? Jesus does not look at Mary with condemnation, but he looks at her with tenderness and says, Dear woman, please note that he did not say woman. There were other times in the scripture that he just looked at her and said, woman, I ain't messing with you right now. Now, n- number one, let me just teach you something. Uh, <clears throat> never call your mom a woman unless you're Jesus. And all the parents said. Every parent who just said amen was like looking at their kid when they, they were like, Amen. I'm going to talk to you. Okay. He calls her dear woman. This was actually not disrespectful. In the Jewish culture of the day, it would be like calling her mommy or mama. So he looks at her with love and with compassion and he says, Mama, you know John? The one that you love? I ain't talking about Peter because you always walked in on him cussing. Now, I'm not talking about Thomas because he was always kind of a doubter and a hater. And I'm definitely not talking about Judas. I'm talking about John. You know, John, the one that you love. John, the one, my best friend. John, the only one who stuck with me when I went to the cross. John, the one who would stand right by me John the one that I've taught to be a great man of God John the one that was so anointed that when they tried to boil him in oil the anointing oil inside of him was hotter than the oil outside of him and he could not burn John John the one that wrote John and first John and second John and third John in the book of Revelation John the one that gave us the greatest revelation on loving God and loving people John 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 The one that when they throw him on an island to die, he ends up writing the greatest revelation of who Jesus is. John. Well, mom, I didn't just raise up John to be a great preacher. I didn't just raise up John to be a great apostle. I didn't just raise up John to be a great prophet. Mom, I actually raised up John for this moment. Because, see, Mom, you are surprised by your current storm. But I'm not. Mom, you don't know what you're going to do next, but I do. Because, Mom, I will never 
let you walk into a storm without already providing the provision you need. John in the Hebrew means Jehovah is gracious. You're going to leave this place and you're going to know this. Jehovah's gracious. Some of you might have to sit down with your parents in the next year or two and they might tell you that they're going to get a divorce and you're not going to know what to do and you're not going to know what to feel and you're going to be angry and you're going to be mad and you're going to be bitter but you're going to go to your room and you're going to turn on a praise and worship CD and you're going to say, God, I don't know what's going on but <sighs> Jehovah is gracious. Someone in your family or one of your friends, they might have a car accident and there might be tragedy and you, and you don't know what's next or they might get sick and, and, you're, and you're going, man, I don't know what to feel. I don't know what to do. I, I want to trust God, but I'm kind of mad at God. And I, don't, I don't know. And you're, and, and you're, and you're going to go sit in your car and you're going to weep before God. You're going to say, God, I don't know what's about to happen next, but I do know this. Jehovah is gracious. And some of you, God's going to speak to you as you're driving to school and say, witness to that person in your class or pray for that person in biology or jump up on your cafeteria table and tell everyone about Jesus and you go oh Jesus oh Lord I don't know what to do God Lord are you going to be there for me and Lord I, I don't want to make a fool of myself and then this thought's going to hit you but Lord I know this I know this I know this. Jehovah is gracious and God if you provided for her going to provide for me. And God, if you take care of her, you're going to take care of me. And God, if you were there for her, you're going to be there for me because Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, storms don't surprise you. And if you sustained her, you will sustain me because Jehovah you are gracious. Fred, if I could leave you with one thing tonight, if you could go out of this room believing one thing, knowing one thing, trusting in one thing, that it doesn't matter what you have to face. It doesn't matter what mountain you'll ever have to look at. It doesn't matter what life throws at you and what the hordes of hell come against you. You could know this. No. I wasn't planning this. But God was planning my provision for this. And the God who saved me will sustain me. And the God of the mountain will be the God of the valley. And you will be able to say what Mary said. And you will be able to say what the great apostle Paul said. My God shall supply all my needs. But I just want to tell you tonight, from the front to the back, all up in that balcony, y'all anointed balcony people, you're on his mind. I don't know what we're going to face when we leave this place. I don't know what, I don't know what's in the future of America. We're living in dark days and God said, darkness, yeah, even gross darkness would cover the earth, but he said a light will shine and that light is the church. No matter what we face and no matter what craziness happens in movie theaters and at marathons and at and, and, and terrorist attacks and, and, and the onslaught of perversion and homosexuality and so many things are coming against the church and, and there's so much happening but God is going to raise up an army of people that say, look, Jehovah's gracious and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And the glory of God is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And that glory is me. Jehovah is gracious. And we will be used as hope vessels to change this world. So Jesus is leaving. He's having dinner with his disciples. John chapter 16. John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is the conversation Jesus had with his disciples at the Last Supper. And right as he's about to go, right as dinner is almost over, he says, guys, one more thing you got to know. I'm leaving, but it's actually a good thing I'm going because I'm sending you the Comforter. 
the advocate. Come here, homie, with the Adidas hat. Come up here. Yeah, jump up here. Jump up here. Jump up. Quick. Get athletic, homeboy. There you go. And he said, it's okay that I go because it's better that I go. It's better that you leave. It's better that we move. Because when you move, the advocate's going to come. And as he said advocate, they all knew what he meant. But we don't know what that means in today's vernacular. He was literally speaking of a Greek word called parakletos. It was the defense attorney. It was the one that would lock arms with you and stand by your side. And when you didn't know where to go, he'd say, and you would know where to go. When you didn't know what to say, he would say, don't talk yet, let me tell you what to say. And then you would know what to say. And when you don't know who to marry, he'd go, that girl, she's poison. We're going this way. And, And he would become your trusted advisor. He would become your voice. He would become your wisdom. He would become your boldness. He would become your purity. He would be the one that says, you don't have to do this alone. Just listen. And when you made a mistake, he would stand in front of you and say, yo, I know he's an idiot. But he's my idiot. And if you want to get to him, you're going to have to go through me and... I'm God, so this ain't happening. It's called the Mary moment. It's called the Romans 8 moment. It's called the when I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through me with a groan that I don't understand, that I cannot utter, but He utters. And when I don't know where to go next, I pray in the Spirit. And when I, when I feel like I'm about to backslide, I pray in the Spirit. And when I want to cuss at my parents, I pray in the Spirit. And when I want to get back with that girl, I pray in the Spirit. And when I know God's telling me to witness to that person at school, I pray in the Spirit. And when I need direction, I pray in the Spirit. Last year, God spoke to me 13 months ago. I'm on a walk, Horizon Ridge Parkway, and I'm praying in the Spirit. And the advocate starts talking to me. (sighs) I believe this stuff. Some of y'all think this is emotionalism. Some of y'all think, man, I live this. And he starts telling me, you're going to walk out on the water. And I'm going, I don't want to talk right now. I want you to quit your job, and I want your wife to quit her job. And I want you to go full time on the road. And I want you to believe me. And I prayed in the spirit. And he spoke to me. He is the advocate. Five years ago, my father calls me. He says, son, sit down. I need to talk to you. And I sat down and I started crying because the spirit of fear came on me. I knew something was wrong. And he said, son. I've been blacking out. I've been having tumors. I mean, I've been having uh, blackouts. I've been having uh, migraines. I've been dizzy. And I went into the doctor and they told me I have a brain tumor. We don't know what it is, but we know I have to get it removed. And in five days, I'm going in to get it removed. I cried like a baby. Man of God, Jabin Chavez, praise the Lord. Yeah, right. I said, what are we going to do, Daddy? And he said, God. It's given me a word. And I said, cool. What is it? And I'm like ready for like, you know, like Mark 11. Like, you won't speak to this mountain. Praise God. You know, and it's going to be removed. And so I'm like ready for it. And he goes, Daniel chapter 3. And I go, oh, great. Because I know my Bible. I'm a Bible freak. I'm a Bible fanatic. I'm addicted to it. You should read it. It's good for you. So anyway. And I know where he's going. He goes, Jabin, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will go into the fire and we will not be consumed. Now, now don't clap because some of y'all don't know your Bible. Because then he said, but even if I do get consumed, we will not bow. 
And he said, son, I'm ready to die. And I said, dad, you might be ready and I'm glad you are, but I'm not ready for you to die. And I got off the phone and friend, there's a day that English doesn't cut it. And Spanish doesn't cut it. And your language of choice doesn't cut it. And there's a day that you run out of words. And the Holy Spirit says, can I interrupt you? Can I take over? And I prayed in the Spirit. And as I prayed in the Spirit, God spoke to me. He said, Acts 19. And I knew exactly what he meant. I went to Acts 19. I opened it up. How God did unusual miracles through the hands of Paul that even handkerchiefs would be placed on his body and then he would mail them out and people would be healed. Paul literally had such a demand on his life he couldn't get to everyone so he had to mail them out. And as it would touch people they'd be delivered. As he would touch people they'd be healed. As they would touch people they'd be set free. And I ran into my kitchen and I pulled out an old ratty white rag and I laid it on Acts 19 and I cried like a baby and I said God if you did it once would you do it again and I prayed in the spirit ran to the post office I overnighted it to my father five days later he went in to the doctor and the doctor walked in and said what you been doing Nothing. He said, no, no, what's been going on? He said, I don't know, we just kind of been praying. We just, have you been taking something? Have you been, no, no. And he goes, well. And he got the scan from the week before and he put it up on the board and he said, well, that, that's, there's your tumor. Five days ago, that's your tumor. And uh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know, but. Here, here's today scanning it's not, it's not there anymore it's gone stand to your feet shout every person get on your feet give God a radical praise like he's going to do it in your life stay standing stay standing that's my sign that we're almost done I didn't give you the keyboard at the end of the sermon to tell you we're done so I'm telling you we're almost done some of you are like Jabin you're supposed to have the keyboard last five minutes but you've had it the whole time when are we done well I'm telling you we're almost done my two favorite people in church were the keyboard player because I knew we were almost done and the communion people because that was my mid-service snack amen (sighs) Jabin hey what What if your dad wouldn't have been healed? What if it would have been cancer? What if he would have died? I would be on this stage preaching this message, talking about this Jesus, talking about this Holy Ghost, because the same Holy Ghost that told me what to do would have been the same Holy Ghost that would have sustained me through the darkest moment of my life because he's the God of the good and he's the God of the bad. He's the God of joy and he's the God of pain. And no matter what we go through, I know Jehovah is gracious. And when he heals me, great. And when I have to face pain, I don't run from Jehovah because the devil is not gracious. Our world is not gracious. Haters are not gracious, but Jehovah is gracious. Would you press into the Holy Spirit like never before? Today you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Would you make that not your second language, but your first? Would you become one of those radical, tongue-talking wackos that you see on TV? 
Would you turn on praise and worship music every day of your life and pray in the Spirit? Would you open up your Bible and pray in the Spirit? Would you say, Holy Spirit, be my wisdom. Holy Spirit, be my leader. Holy Spirit, be my self-control. Holy Spirit, be my God. Holy Spirit, become my best friend. Would that be your cry? Because if it is, He will become your sustaining force. So we're leaving here. But we're not leaving alone. And it's actually better that we leave because there's a lot of people that need what we experience. And friend, they're not just going to experience it online and they're not just going to experience it on God TV. You are the TV channel. You are the web address. You are the living epistle. And they're going to know that this was real. Because they see it in you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray right now for the sustaining grace of Jesus. Worship team, you can come up. To come upon every person. I want to sing Our God Reigns. God, we leave this place with a supernatural confidence and a supernatural anchor of our soul saying Jehovah is gracious. Jehovah will not leave us. The Advocate is with us. Jesus goes with us. We will pick up our cross. We will become soldiers of the cross. And we will walk with you all the days of our life. This will not be an experience or an experiment. This will not be a one moment encounter. But this is the beginning. This is the seed of a lifelong relationship with you, God. So right now we link arms with the Holy Spirit. Right now we hold hands with the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, take control of our lives. We refuse to leave this place alone. We're walking out with you. And God, we're actually grateful this is the last night. We can't wait for Monday morning because there's a school that needs our voice. There's a Starbucks that needs our voice. There's a family member that needs our voice and we will not be discouraged and we will not go back to who we were. But we say even in the storm, even when people tell us this was just emotionalism or this was just whatever, we say, no, 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 no. Jehovah's gracious. Thanks again for listening to the Awakening Podcast. If you want more content or resources, head over to awakeningconference.com. Get all the info you need. And don't forget, share this podcast with someone you know. It'll help them. See you next week.